0: The hour of action. It's time for the John DePetro show. Here on News Talk, WNRI, 1380 AM and 99.9 and 95.1 FM. He's a special kind of sentinel. Mr. DePetro, who is in the eye of the storm. Suddenly, John DePetro became the story. Radio talk show host John DePetro. All right, here we go, folks. Welcome. Good afternoon. The power hour has arrived. It's John DePetro weekdays. We start at 11. Go till 2. AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at thePetro.com. This portion of our program is French by K's. Remember, lunch, dinner, drinks in the lounge. Stop by K's. They're waiting for you. Try the steak sandwich. Try the pastrami. Try the roast turkey. Whatever it may be. Always a good crowd at K's. Folks, let's bring him on. Boy, there's a lot of legal stories in the news. He is our uh, legal expert. Rhode Island top attorney. Say Good afternoon. To our friend, uh, Tim Dodd. Good afternoon, Tim.
1: Hey, John. Good afternoon to you.
0: Hey, Tim. Let's, if you don't mind, uh, let's just start with a little bit of an uh, impeachment uh, overall intro. Uh, what we can expect over the next couple of days. There's various things happening as, as every time, you know, if people are flipping around, they're going to see, for instance, you know, the senators sworn in for the trial. Um, and, and, and we're hearing a lot about the fact that like people like Adam Schiff and others, they want to introduce new evidence, but a little bit of an overview of what we can expect with this Senate, very unique Senate trial regarding the impeachment of the president.
1: Yes, it, it's, it's a curious thing to attempt to bring in new evidence at this stage of the game. I mean, the Senate is being asked to try the case based upon the articles of impeachment that were sent over by the House. So part of the delay apparently from the House uh, transmitting the articles to the Senate was hoping that another shoe would drop and they'd get more um, information to use against President Trump. Uh, They've got the specter of this guy, Lev Parnas, who seems like another very compromised witness who the Dems think is going to add a lot to uh, imputing knowledge about what was going on with um, the alleged quid pro quo between the administration and the Ukrainian government. Um, Questionable whether that new evidence will come into play. John, the thing that is procedurally concerning is for weeks, if not months, we've been listening to uh, Mitch McConnell um, steadfastly say, you know, this is going to be short, this is not going to have any new evidence, we're going get, get to get it over with, words to that effect. Suddenly he's sounding a little wobbly on his intentions regarding uh, taking testimony, having witnesses, accepting new evidence. Um, I understand that within his very slim majority, he's got folks who are not very reliable. You've got Mitt Romney, who's clearly not reliable. You've got Lamar Alexander, who's almost in the same boat. And then, naturally, you've got Susan Collins and, uh, Murkowski from Alaska, who are never reliable. Now, if McConnell keeps them in line, um, this will go down in a procedurally uh, logical way. If those four or any of them bolt and uh, diverge from what the rest of the Republicans are looking for, it could get very difficult for uh, Mitch McConnell to manage uh, the procedure of this case. Right now, my expectation is there would be no new witnesses Uh, my expectation is there would be no witnesses. I mean, all the witnesses have testified ad nauseum. They've testified live. They've testified in the basement, in the star chamber. They've been deposed. Um, You really can't squeeze much more out of the witnesses who provided material to the um, two investigative committees in the house. Um, The house has done its job in a way that it sees uh, to be appropriate and is uh, transmitted to articles based upon the testimony they got. If McConnell keeps a tight rein on this thing, um, as I believe he should, fine. I mean, you've got the Democrats now screaming for transparency and openness and let's get all the facts. I mean, if the media was at all objective, they would just rerun everything that's happened in the last few months in, on the House side and compare it to all the protestations now coming from Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi, etc. Um, again, these people have no sense of irony. They're irony-impaired. Uh, they'll say anything, and except for a few news outlets. So you can go back to Jerry Madler screaming about... Um, The Clinton impeachment trial and how unfair it was and he's taking exactly the opposite tack here but unless you search around for your news sources you're never going to see those clips played from what happened 25 years ago during the the Clinton fiasco Um, so what's going to happen here I agree with you it's going to be tedious it's going to be boring it's going to be plotting I don't think there's going to be lots of um, testimonial fireworks. Um, it's going to be boring television unless McConnell Caves and new witnesses come in. For instance, I think we've talked about it before, but you know, attorneys typically don't like to ask questions and don't like to put witnesses on the stand unless you know what they're going to say. If this was a real trial in a courtroom, all of the key players would have been deposed. Um, the main guy that could come in is Bolton and no one really knows what he's going to say. So he could be helpful. He could be very harmful. If McConnell is danced into a position where um, Bolton is going to come in and testify, um, that spells, if not trouble for the administration, that's when you start to have to really hang on to your hat because you don't know what's going to happen. And if you don't know what's going to happen in the trial, you don't know what witnesses are going to say. Um, you proceed at your peril if you let it occur in that manner. And I know McConnell, I think, is wily enough to not let that happen. But it's going to be boring television. I don't think the media is going to get um, the nightly sound bites that they would like, uh, as they did get when they had um, all the players from Ukraine and the Ukrainian ambassador and people saying sufficient sound bites that they could call it out and use it on the nightly news. It's gonna be boring.
0: You know, Tim, um, but you raise a very good point. And again, folks, good afternoon. we speak with Attorney Tim Dodd. But you raise a very good point, and that is that, but, but once a trial gets underway, um, you know, as you say, you proceed with your peril, and we've seen some very high-profile examples where, and the way things get played in the media, um, you go back to the Simpson trial, where suddenly this woman emerged and claimed she had notes. If you remember, and interviewed Mark Furman, and he had used the N-word. Now, that was something prosecutors obviously had no way to to know when they were bringing the charges against O.J. Simpson. I even go back to, and, and a lot of this stuff, even it could be discounted afterwards, in the heat of the trial. I remember the, the Von Bulo trial, where there was this guy that suddenly was claiming that he had um, sold, or he was involved with selling drugs, and and at the Marriott parking lot. And again, it, it, when you have the proper amount of time, when you can go through it, investigate it, and check it out, a lot of these things don't pan out. But it, when suddenly they emerge into the the media, the spotlight. For instance, the Simpson stuff, and then people are demanding, well, you know, you have to have this person testify, and the prosecutors are thrown. Um, it can be problematic, and I think it it's it can be tricky. And we saw last night where suddenly, you know, Rachel Maddow has this. Well, I didn't watch it, but you know, reports of it that this guy that he's he's in trouble, and he's friends and associated Giuliani, and he's facing he's pretty jammed up and facing some jail time, and suddenly he's saying. You know, uh, Well, you know, Bolton knows a lot, and the president knew, and da-da-da. And, and you could see someone like an Adam Schiff saying, well, we, we have to have this man testify. And they just want to keep throwing people into the mix to just create, you know, make it longer, make it drag out, and, and make it more of a circus.
1: Well, and it's also, if you were to bring in any of the previous witnesses or this new guy, um, Lev Parnas, or anyone else the republicans and especially the president's team had no opportunity to cross-examine in a meaningful way um, some of these witnesses and it should not be uh... for all the marbles when this is being tried in the senate that you're for the first time getting an opportunity to cross-examine certain witnesses um, That's procedurally unfair, you know, like has been happening right along. I I think the president and his team have not uh, been provided the due process that was provided, let's say, during the Clinton impeachment hearings in the House or the Senate trial that occurred. Um, McConnell's got to keep a tight lid on this thing. Uh, He's got some wobbly members there who I identified earlier or not reliable right And if they break from the leadership on this essentially they'll give control of this trial to chuck schumer and then it'll be chaos and it'll never end um the only thing that might mitigate in terms of this thing moving more quickly is i'm sure that the three senators who are going to be um jurors um are going to be screaming that they're being kept off the campaign trail that's right. because they're listening to this foolishness. Yes. Uh, and again, the media reports are that Pelosi's done this to help Joe Biden. Um, that's an interesting you know, uh, interpretation. Of it's a, it's a, something that would make for a good novel. I'm not sure it's true. Um,
0: well, it does cause a blackout. It kind of causes a news blackout yes, in a way uh, for Iowa and biden is kind of in the lead and that does it pulls amy klobuchar much to a lesser extent but but sanders and warren they are not going to get the attention in iowa if they're just sitting there in washington tim i want to move on also the story that um and boy he's been in the news now you go back to january of 2017 here we are january of 2020 and middletown's own mike flynn um Suddenly, you know, as much as this seemingly is like a stop and start with him and and whether or not he's going to go to jail or what his agreement is or exactly how he's going to be punished, um, he was suddenly thrust in the news again. What can you tell us about Mike Flynn?
1: The Flynn story has taken a really unusual path. Um, He gets interviewed by the FBI. They catch him in a couple of apparent lies. Um, he's prosecuted. He's squeezed like no one else has ever been squeezed. Finally, he capitulates and becomes a cooperating witness. He pleads guilty. It's a long time. It's in December of 2017. Yeah. that he pled guilty. It's been over two years. Yep. So during the whole of 2018, he's allegedly cooperating with the feds. He's providing lots of helpful information and. Based on that, a year later, in December of 2018, uh, at his sentencing, the feds are recommending probation only. Uh, The judge hearing the case says, well, not so fast. I'm thinking maybe this guy still deserves jail. Um, The um, sentencing hearing is uh, aborted. Flynn asks for more time because he now wants to reconsider his, his admission, his guilty plea if the judge is thinking of sending him to prison uh, during 2019 Flynn has the very good idea to terminate his first legal team hires a second legal team that legal team starts really digging in to what the feds knew and when they knew it and whether they were holding back information from Flynn which might have had a um Uh, significant bearing on decisions Flynn made about pleading guilty or not so now that Flynn's team is digging in looking for uh, prosecutorial misconduct now the prosecutors are punching back saying we don't want you to be able to withdraw your plea deal and now we want you to go to jail and guess what now we don't consider that your previous cooperation has been all that meaningful all that forthcoming, or all that helpful. Flynn's team hires back saying that the government is, is demonstrating what they called abject bad faith, vindictiveness, and that they're retaliating against Flynn because Flynn's digging in to see if his rights have been compromised by the feds. Um, so it's a high stakes um, back and forth. My feeling is that the judge who previously Considered that Flynn might um, deserve prison even though he cooperated, I don't think that judge is going to let Flynn withdraw his guilty plea. He doesn't seem to be disposed to be sympathetic to Flynn's position. What we don't know is really what Flynn's second legal team has discovered or turned up in terms of any alleged prosecutorial misconduct. You know, the feds protect their turf. Like, all lawyers protect their turf and their reputation and their standing. So the feds don't like it now that Flynn's trying to look behind the curtain and see if there's some um, interesting things that he could utilize to mitigate the the, um, the the prison time that he might be looking at. So this has yet to fully play out. But, you know, Flynn's uh, new team is playing hardball and the feds don't like it.
0: You know, it's amazing, Tim. Boy, this—it uh, really just takes over your life. I mean, his life has basically been on on hold, and uh, you know, my God, but this—how much longer does this go on? And you're just caught up in the system, and and still no no end in sight. Um, but this this is what happens uh, apparently, and in this particular situation, boy, I'd, I'd love to hear his story when all of this is done.
1: Yeah, he, if he doesn't get a great book deal, I mean, no one should get a great book deal now. Um, it's been said many times, you know, when, when you become the subject of a federal prosecution, especially, the feds have unlimited time and unlimited money to come after you. And many times, like in Flynn's case, eventually you're broken financially and you have to wave the white flag and say, I give, I'll plead to something. Because you just can't sustain your defense financially forever right. like the feds can sustain a prosecution yep. forever and ever and ever.
0: Folks, good afternoon. It's Shonda Petro. i speaking with our legal expert, Rhode Island attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, in this next story, I've often wondered about this. And I I don't know, and I'm very anxious to hear your thoughts on this. Now, we, we know that the city of Warwick and the city of East Providence, they've been in the news and there's this successful television program hosted by Dan Abrams called Live PD. And they go around to different communities, and they follow these different police departments. They zoom in and out, and we get to see some, some live action. Now, Warwick was involved, I believe, when uh, it was Congressman Cicilline's sister was pulled over. And she lives in Narragansett, and there was some question on whether or not that she may have been intoxicated. So there was a little bit of a flap there. This is a little bit different. This has to do with East Providence. And the way that I understand the story is the police are looking for this woman's son. So they go to the house. She, you know, hears the doorbell. Police are outside. She, from what we understand, literally opens the door in a towel. And the police are looking for the son. And they, they apparently, they claim they say to her something like, this is being documented. She sees someone behind a tree. Well, so he's not here blah 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 her phone then or starts blowing up of people like hey I saw you on television you opened the door in the towel looking for the sun and now she's demanding 1 million dollars from East Providence after being televised in the towel I'm very based on the information that we have very anxious to hear your thoughts on this matter
1: this is a tricky one, John, and I, I don't have a definitive answer for you, but there are several moving parts to something like this. This is a essentially a live show, but I believe when it's broadcast, I think there's a seven second delay. Yes. So, if I'm her attorney, I'm wondering, well, if there's a seven second delay, what's that for? That's to stop something inappropriate from making it to the airwaves whether it's somebody um, using foul language, whether it's somebody exposing their genitalia or something of that nature or something more benign but certainly embarrassing like this lady in the doorway in her towel just out of the shower. So if there's a delay, it's intended to stop compromising or embarrassing or inappropriate things from making it to air. So why didn't they exercise their discretion on uh, this particular case, uh, we see many, many cases where there's things on TV where people have their faces blurred. Question, would that have been a possibility for them to blur her so at least all of her friends and neighbors wouldn't see her dripping wet in a, in a towel only? Many times, however, these things um, are legitimately aired showing the person's uh, face If it's a legitimate news story, when there are news stories and there's cameras recording a legitimate news story versus an entertainment show, then if you're part of a news story, you're in the crowd, you're doing whatever, um, your face can be put on camera without your permission. If it's an entertainment show, a little bit different. Many times before people go on the air, if it's an entertainment show, on the radio uh, they've got to consent to their voice or their image being utilized if it's for entertainment purposes was this a news show that's a gray area I think the the thing that made it interesting to put on air is the cops allegedly showed up at this house because this woman's son I don't know how old or young the son is called 911 because he needed help with his homework right so when the cops show up, it is kind of a novel thing, and it seems to me more in the entertainment realm. Uh, they know there's no crime. There's, they know there's no one in danger. They're just going because of this, you know, preposterous nine-one-one call. Yeah, it's, it's much akin. We've all heard the things on on um, different shows where people will call nine-one-one because they want to order McDonald's or right? right. they call 911 because their pizza delivery is 10 minutes late.
0: Right, no or the they didn't get the proper sauce with their McNuggets or whatever it may be. Yeah. So that's the yeah. guys they are going there. It's not the right. most serious so. thing. It's not a potential gunplay situation. But what right. about the business of that? I, I think in her words, Tim Dodge, she claims asked, she could see someone behind a tree, and he said, well, we're documenting this. Um but uh, number 1 they they have the camera rolling so maybe in their defense they feel like well well, we're covered. I, I want to just, before I get your answer, a couple different, my own personal experience. Now, I was on the ABC program, Body of Proof, and then also uh, Brotherhood. And for both of those, you have to sign. You know, you give them permission. as you and, and So, the permission that you you know you're being filmed, you're part of the show, blah, blah, blah. Um, you said many times, in, and sometimes the show cops or this particular thing, they show someone wherever it may be, and they're wrestling the person, and they put them in, and the phrase is blurred. And I take that to be... That they did not get the permission from the individual to do it. Um, I think sometimes when when, uh, people are doing like a man on the street and they have someone there that they um, they actually – I think sometimes they'll get them to sign off on things. But I know there are instances such as there was someone that called in sick. For work, and then they went and they stood outside the studios of the Today Show. And then the Today Show, they pan the camera, and then the employer sees, Oh, there's Harry. He's apparently not sick. He's outside the Today Show. So the guy gets in trouble. And then I also remember in New York, there were a number of people that were running from as the tower was coming down. So the World Trade Center is coming down, and NBC is there. And there was a woman, I remember this, she was saying, You didn't have my permission. Uh, to show me running from the building, and NBC's like, hey, listen, you know, we were, it's a historic thing, and it was very dramatic, and the dust, and everyone's running. Like, we, we didn't, it's not an opportunity to go through and ask, hey, can we have your permission? What's your name? I mean, everyone's like running for their life. But um, in, the, in this situation, do you think, is this that they could be in danger and it's a money grab, or maybe they are in the hook because they they didn't clear it enough? And it could have been a mistake that they should have blurred out her face. So you see someone in a towel, but you don't know who it is. Well,
1: the, the lady running from the World Trade Tower certainly does not have a, a legitimate claim for money damages because it's a news story. That's, right. that's yes. the most definitive news story you could possibly imagine. Um, in, in this situation, one other element is, were they recording her from, let's say, a public sidewalk or a public street or do they go onto her property to do it? If they went onto her property, they have a little bit more jeopardy. And she's got a very good lawyer, and I'm sure he has already demanded the full raw tape or video of the entire encounter. The woman claims that she kept saying, well, who's that over there? Am I being filmed? And she claims that the cop would dodge the question and give her sort of a non-answer answer. Um... So if she's asking, and she's not getting an appropriate response, and she's objecting to it, and she continues to be filmed, it may bolster her case. Just like watching the debate the other night, you don't really get the full context of the um, Elizabeth Warren-Bernie exchange until they think the mics are off, and now we hear what's really going on.
0: Yeah, that's right. The
1: The same is going to be true here. What was the discussions that might have been happening before they started putting film onto the TV with what they wanted to show? What was the preamble to her being on TV? The real question, John, I think is, and I can't tell you I'm certain, but I think the real issue is, was this an entertainment show or a new show? Mm. If it's a news show, she doesn't have a case, I don't believe. If it's seen as more of an entertainment-type show... Uh, her case um, gains more credibility. Will she get money? They'll probably settle with her because it's embarrassing all the way around. Um, is it a million dollar case? Not unless uh, she could ever show punitive damages, which we discussed before. In terms of compensatory damages, I, I'm not sure what her damages are. You know, she can say that I was embarrassed and my neighbors all laughed at me. Um, maybe she'll start going to a psychiatrist saying that she's got um, post-traumatic stress and that she can't go out anymore and she's become, you know, agoraphobic and comes up with lots of different legal theory, I mean, medical theories of injury, but um, that's a long way down the road.
0: Yeah, I could see, I'm just trying to be objective and again, this business, I want $1 million well, she hasn't in any way come close to losing $1 million. I could see Live PD unless they have really tough lawyers and they're afraid they're going to set a precedent and then it just opens up the floodgates I, I could see, I don't know cut her a check for fifty grand or something like that I mean, it almost seems high and like I said, they don't want them, anyone that's ever on saying, hey, you know, you paid her out um, but I, I agree. I, I could see them paying her something because, you know, Tim, mistakes are made. I mean, it is live and there could be mistakes and it could have been that they were supposed to blur out her face and then it happened so fast. Um, I, I, I I can see in a situation like this where then, you know, mistakes are made, when especially when it's live television. I think it would be even worse if it was, you know, recorded and broadcast at a later date, but. I don't know if she has a, As you said, I don't know about a million dollar case, but definitely some kind of compensation. Um, keeping with the theme of entertainment, now last March was when Varsity Blues broke open uh, the different. Please, here it is, Tim Dodd, 2016. Gordy Ernst has still not settled up. Uh, the the coach at uh, Georgetown, who then was ended up at URI, and Lori Laughlin. Now, um, there there are developments with a story that I saw that potentially that still has not been resolved. Felicity Hoffman's situation was even joked about at the Golden Globes. But there was a story saying they think that the Lori Laughlin case potentially could be almost falling apart.
1: It's, it's really unclear because there is a pretrial gag order, I believe, on a lot of the discovery and materials that have been traded between uh, the defense team and the prosecution team. My understanding from the prosecution side is there's an upcoming hearing in court that there's certain information the prosecution has sought in terms of records, etc., that the defense is not providing. So it sounds like there's a little bit of stonewalling going on from the defense side that they don't want to give up certain evidence, whether it's been subpoenaed. You know, we really don't know fully. Um... What's been transpiring—the tit for tat between the two sides of this. However, there's been leaked information from the Lori Laughlin camp. Whether it's family, whether it's her um, attorneys, um, I think they're just trying to get a bit of a narrative out there to mitigate against the negative publicity and the negative sort of hostility that is pretty prevalent towards. Lauren Laughlin and her husband and her kids, um, you know, for buying their way into school, for keeping a couple of other worthy people out, and I think this the um, the high handed way in which the kids um, uh, looked at their college experience, almost like it was a time to party and goof off and have a Facebook page and um, promote their personality brand as opposed to getting an education but there's the competing theories here. The Laughlin team has floated the idea that uh, Laughlin and her husband never submitted the photos of the girls allegedly wearing sports gear um, and that that's not really factually accurate. Now, when this thing comes up for trial, either of this pictures of these kids phonying up uh, appearance that they play a particular sport or there's not it's been widely reported that that was part of their um application package pictures of them playing i think it was soccer and all the soccer gear and in fact they they never did it in their lives there's also a question being raised by the laughlin team as to the nature of the financial contribution they made um They're trying to spin it that some of the money paid out was paid not to Rick Singer as a bribe, but directly to USC, like many other parents do. If you're a wealthy parent, you might say, hey, my kid's applying next year. You know, I've got a few million dollars hanging around. I'd like to endow a chair in the history department. And miraculously, your kid gets in no matter what their scores are. That's been happening for Generations for literally hundreds of years. Um, if the Laughlins had done such a thing above board, giving the, the university a half a million dollars and then, boom, their kid gets in, that's the way the game is played. I think what's going to undercut so far um, the, the leak and the spin that Laughlin and her husband are trying to put on this is they got Rick Singer in the background who is a cooperating witness, who has already pled guilty, and he's the guy who can connect the dots and not impute knowledge and not presume knowledge, but say, listen, I told Lori Laughlin do X, Y, and Z, pay me A, B, and C, and account for it this way on your tax returns, and your kid's going to get in. Now, if he is blunt and direct, saying, I told Lori how this game is played, I told her how to make sure her kid gets in. I told her what to do with the money, where to source the money, how to account for the money. Um, he could blow her up. Now, if he starts pulling his punches and not fully providing the feds what they want, well, that's where the case is gonna fall apart. If, if Singer comes in and um, lays it all out from soup to nuts as to how this fraudulent payoff kickback scheme was played, Um, I still think there's a major problem for Laughlin my understanding is she's got a very good legal team they're very aggressive and I don't think uh, to to Laughlin's benefit let's say I don't think they'd be floating the idea that these pictures don't exist if they do exist so Laughlin's team is saying we never sent pictures and there are no such pictures if that's true that's going to help their case because
0: that's part of the fraud application. Um, folks, good afternoon. It's John DePietro. We're speaking with uh, Rhode Island attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, I, I want to just lay out, and then there's a, two other stories we want to talk about, but a story that Channel 12 broke last night. And uh, I understood, I, I'd like to go off just the, the information that we have so far and based on what the information that Channel 12 is putting out and kind of based on that. And it has to do with the fact. That there's a friend of the speaker. There's Jim Demers. That works at the convention center. And the way that we understand the story. Is he was going to be put on leave. By the convention center. That is a quasi public authority. The, spe- the convention center people say. That team Mattiello. Was in Montanaro more importantly. They were threatening. If you put. This guy, Jim Demers, security guy, on administrative leave. There will be consequences, so to speak. They put him on leave, and then on Monday, December 23rd, two days before Christmas, they received notice that, in fact, they're going to be audited the convention center. Now, um, based on that information, this sounds a lot like the situation, Tim Dodd, that we heard about with Twin River making allegations that Brett Smiley had said, you know, if you guys raise a big stink about this IGT deal, then there's going to be consequences for Twin River. Based on the information that the way Channel 12 laid it out, now barring anything new that obviously that could come into focus. But if that is the case, if that, is that an example of po- like political extortion where if you don't go along with the program, we have the power to, for you to, to suffer consequences?
1: Yes, that, that's an interesting scenario, and maybe it's correct. I mean, at, at the very least, the optics for Nick Mattiello and his team are not good. Um, the, the, the optics, the way this is being spun exactly the way you've just characterized it, um, if true, it is very harmful to the speaker. Not sure if it would be criminal, but that certainly becomes a quid pro quo. Um, you do this, or we're going to do that. If crew, real bad for for the Mattiello team. One one question I had, John, just reading the story is this guy Demers um, is put on leave along with another coworker, yes. Amanda Wilmoth, yep. who I don't know anything about.
0: Marzula Wilmoth, uh, yes.
1: Yes. So the two of them were put on administrative leave. Is it for? Who knows what it's for? Is it for financial improprieties? Is it for um, incorrect reporting of when they're at work and when they're not at work? Is it improper use of vehicles? I mean, who knows at this juncture what they're alleged to have done, which would have put them on administrative leave. If it was a financial irregularity and it became known, and if that's why this um, audit was called for, well, then maybe it makes sense. If it was for some personal irregularity, um, then there would be no reason to suddenly, out of the blue, um, call for an audit. So I think the damage that could happen to Nick and his team is dependent on the nature of the conduct of these two individuals which put them on leave in the first place. If it's a financial um, misappropriation of funds, if it's something to do with money... Uh, that was discovered, then you can see maybe maybe it's worthwhile to do an audit. If it's not about them fooling around with money, then it looks much uh, more damaging for the Mattiello folks. Because then it clearly looks like if you do this to our friend, we're going right. to come give you a probe.
0: And, 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 Tim, if, in fact, there were members of the convention center that could say, oh, yeah, I remember when either we got the call, we put him on speakerphone, blah, 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 and they were – or so-and-so came over and was hot and saying, hey, listen, if you put him on leave, there's going to be hell to pay. That that also, again, uh, I, I'm hearing that, that they were warned that there would be retaliation, and then – is rather unusual at the State House for anything done on December 23rd, two days before Christmas, out of the blue, boom, suddenly get an audit. Sticking with that, Tim Dodd, there was a, um, I remember, it, I don't remember exactly what it was, but there was a time where I actually, one of my listeners sent me an email saying that his brother had purchased a gun from State Senator Frank Chacon. And what was unusual about it was the listener at the time, I, I was trying to find the email. Claimed that his brother bought a gun from Senator State Senator Frank Chicone from his basement in Silver Lake. Now, at the time, I, I didn't go with the story because I thought it was false, but all credits to the Providence Journal where apparently Chicone claims he has some provision where he's allowed to deal firearms. He's a sitting State Senator. He's selling firearms out of his basement in Silver Lake. Now, that's a story that's rather unusual.
1: It's extremely unusual. Um... The story seemed to be very well researched. Um, The thing that seems to mitigate, kind of in favor of Senator Ciccone, is that he would go every year and reapply to renew his license or his permit to sell. And somehow, as it only can happen in Providence City Hall, one year one of the folks... Who is there? Uh, Handwrites onto on to his renewal that uh, words to the effect that this individual no longer needs to come back for the yearly renewal, and that's different than what everyone else has to do um, in the state. Um, they've asked um, then chairman of the licensing board, Andrew Nalba, what he knows about it. And he's like, listen, I, I my name's on thousands of licenses. I have no recollection of this. This is years and years and years ago. Uh, Ciccone takes the position, this was done, it's legit. The state can do whatever it wants at this point, but I'm grandfathered. I've got my paper that says I've got the ability to do it this way. If the state chooses to bring an action against Ciccone, um, saying that, you know, you can't get this special treatment, and he's got documents which would suggest that the manner in which he is um, processed um, is legit and he's apparently been doing it for years under the radar so to speak Uh, he probably is properly grandfathered in now as a sitting politician will he say even though I'm right I'll start doing it the way the state wants me to do it or will he say to heck with you state I've got my paper um, I've got it framed in my, in my office And I'm not budging um, I would guess that he'd capitulate at some point And start doing it the way everyone else does But for the moment I don't think he's in violation of anything Unless proved otherwise Let's assume it's proved that he wrote that On, on his license You don't have to come back and reapply anymore And it's a phony Well so be it But there's records in the city I think Showing that that's the way this has been taken care of for years and years and years. So I don't think he's in any criminal jeopardy at this point.
0: Yeah, it reminded me there's a scene in Breaking Bad where Walt, Brian Cranston, feels, you know, his life's in danger, needs to arm himself. So he goes to meet with a guy in a motel and, you know, the guy maps out and puts a couple different guns on the, on the table. There's a 45, there's a 38, there's a snub, and all this other stuff. I mean, And again, I go back to, at the time, I I discounted it. It was just like some crank email. But this guy claimed his brother, yeah, he bought a brand new 38 or 45 whatever it was. He went over to Frank Chacon's basement and (laughs) bought it from him. And it turns out he's doing that. Uh, Finally, Tim Dodd, I want to um, finish up. Uh, The Michelle Carter case was a case that we followed very extensively uh, here on the program. You and I have talked about it. I appeared on Headline News about it. And uh, any surprise that the Supreme Court is declining to take on the michelle uh, carter appeal where she basically had gone to jail for she encouraged her boyfriend conrad roy to to get back in the truck and and take his own life
1: am i surprised i guess the answer is yes and no um i'm not surprised insofar as folks might not realize it but of all the cases that are appealed to the supreme court unless those which require the Supreme Court's um, intervention because a constitutional issue is raised, a lot of cases are simply declined. The Supremes get lots of cases that are appealed, and they simply decline to take on many, many cases, such as this um, Michelle Carter case. If the Supremes had taken it on, Um, They would have been tasked with um, determining whether or not the statute that Massachusetts had uh, reasonably informed the public what the elements of a particular crime were. I I still contend that the statute as drafted um, never contemplated somebody behaving the way Michelle Carter behaved, and I don't think the statute properly applied to her conduct. I think it really is incumbent on the uh, Massachusetts um, General Assembly to um, amend that statute to take what Michelle Carter allegedly did um, into account. I, I, I always thought, respectfully, uh, disagreed with the uh, Supreme Judicial Court of Massachusetts when they affirmed the judge's decision finding her guilty. I don't, I don't think she should have been found. I think her Conduct was deplorable, reprehensible, the worst. But I don't think her conduct fit with the statute she was prosecuted under. The Supremes might have taken it up and scolded, you know, the Mass Legislature for having such a sloppy statute, but they just declined it. So now it's punted back to Mass, and either they'll fix the statute or they'll leave it just the way it is, knowing that if somebody else does something similar now there's a track record that the SJC says you know words alone are sufficient to um, commit a crime Um, of of, um, I think she was convicted ultimately of manslaughter but words alone are enough and that's a real dangerous precedent so maybe the Mass General Assembly won't change the statute they'll leave it with the um, Ambiguities that it has in it, um, but I do think they should fix it,
0: folks. He is our legal expert, Rhode Island top attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, great job, and we will talk to you again. Thanks, John. Take care. All right, folks, there it is, Tim Dodd, right here on the program. This portion of the John DePietro show is brought to you by K's. Remember, whether it's lunch, dinner, drinks, and lounge, stop by K's; they're waiting for you, folks. Good afternoon, good afternoon, to everybody on Facebook Live. You know, I um, I don't understand. How we just had Susie Yankee on. And right now it's 1.50 in the afternoon. And the Republican Party has a real legitimate claim here. Of extortion against Speaker Mattiello. And I'm going to post this tweet. Because a lot of people are not on Twitter. I'm going to post this tweet. On my Facebook page. The Republican Party. Based on the Channel 12 story. Is making a very credible argument that extortion has taken place with Speaker Mattiello, Frank Montanaro, and the Rhode Island Convention Center. And who comes to the defense of Speaker Mattiello and Frank Montanaro? I can't believe I have to say this. Former Representative Patricia Morgan, former Representative Patricia Morgan, completely undermines GOP chairwoman Susie Yankee. I'm looking at a Channel 12 story. Now, we had Susie Yankee on. And then, so this all has to do with, this is retribution extortion, the fact that they put one of Mattiello's pals as Jim Demers on administrative leave. So Mattiello spokesperson, Larry Berman, pushed back at Susie Yankee, pointing out minority leader Patricia Morgan has been calling for better oversight of the convention center finances for years. All right, it's one thing he sent out, she sent out multiple press releases, and I remember that, okay? However, Patricia Morgan takes the social media and puts out. First of all, Berman says, upon receiving new information, recalling all these press releases, it was determined an audit was appropriate. That is ludicrous that two days before Christmas, Mattiello said, "You said, know, you know, in 2015, Patricia Morgan made a good argument. Never happened. Morgan herself offered measured for support for House Democrat leadership on social media, tweeting, I can't speak to personnel issues, but an order of the convention center is well overdue. In 2015, the Republican policy group found many reasons taxpayers should be alarmed. Let's hope the audit is authentic and actions will be taken to make them economically beneficial. That is ludicrous. Number one, Patricia Morgan, I can't speak to personnel issues. Then why are you speaking to personnel issues? That's number one. Number two, is she trying to take credit for it in some way? The audit is, the authentic, the audit is not authentic. The audit is absolute extortion consequences for putting Mattiello's pal on administrative leave. How does she do this? How does this? How does Patricia Morgan... Who I have supported since she emerged on the scene back when she ran the party and Governor Gachiri was the governor. And then she runs for governor, loses against Krantz Mayor Alan Fung in the primary. And then takes up with Joe Trillo, supports Trillo. And she's kind of been off the radar. And I've heard from different people trying to work her way in or try to get involved with the Trump campaign. The party steps up. They have Mattiello nailed dead to rights. And the defense they're using are the words of Patricia Morgan. I I, I just am at a loss, folks. I, I I can't believe it. This is the ultimate. Like, whose side are you on? Why would she do that? I can't speak to personnel issues. Then don't. Why are you speaking to personnel issues? But look at me, 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 me. In 2015, five years ago, I was trying. And what did they do to you five years ago? They ignored you. They didn't do the audit. Are you trying to tell me, Rep, former Rep Morgan, that on December 23rd, keep in mind, Mattiello and Montanaro threatening, if you put demurs on administrative leave, there's going to be hell to pay. The Convention Center Authority put their buddy Demers on administrative leave, and boom, December 23rd, they get served. You're being audited. Complete quid pro quo extortion executed by the thuggery of Mattiello and Montanaro. And who comes to their defense? You have Susie the Republican Party, speaking out, rightfully so. You have Attorney General Peter Narona. Sniffing around. Boy, this sounds like an extortion case to me. And who comes to the defense of Speaker Mattiello and his henchman, Frank Montanaro? Former Representative Patricia Morgan. Why on earth would you do that? My God. Let's hope the audit is authentic. It's not authentic. It's it's a form of extortion. It's consequences for putting their buddy unpaid leave how do you do something like that what goes into someone's mind i have to inject myself into this story i have to be part of the story i want to get it time out they're not auditing the convention center i know patricia morgan put in a lot of work to try to get the convention center finances audited i know that i remember it i used to read them i think i even had her on maybe about i don't remember Had her on about them. But the reason they're doing this has nothing to do with that. Zero to do with that. Oh, my goodness. And again, another problem with the Facebook Live. I am at wit's end. Why would she do something like that? I don't understand. I really don't understand. All right. seven six six. 1380, a lot more ahead on the John DePetro. This portion of the John DePetro show brought to you by K's. Lunch dinner, drinks and the lounge, stop by K's. they're waiting for you. A lot more ahead on this Thursday. Do you own and operate a small business and you rely on communicating with your employees while they're out in the field? Well if you do, this is the perfect time to make the switch to T Mobile for business. This is Sal with T-Mobile for Business, and I encourage you to reach out to me today at 401-332-0000. This is the perfect time to make the switch to T-Mobile for Business. Right now, we have unlimited plans with unlimited talk, text, and data. With no contract, great deals on
1: iPhones and Samsungs, this is the perfect time to make the switch to T-Mobile for Business. Stop
0: wasting money. Call me for a free consultation at 401-332-0000. Again, 401-332-0000. Stop wasting money with your current cell phone carrier. Call me today, Sal, with T-Mobile for Business. 401-332-0000. Folks, remember, if for whatever reason you're in need of a plumber... Call Quartz Plumbing of Cumberland today. Do you have a plumbing emergency, a drain, pipes? It's going to get cold. Call Victor Quartz. Quartz Plumbing today. Fully licensed and insured. A family-run business for over 20 years. It's Quartz Plumbing of Cumberland. 401-714-8478. 401-714-8478. It's Quartz Plumbing of Cumberland. Victor Quartz, he is your man. He'll step in. Again, handle all your plumbing needs, bathroom remodeling, hot water tanks, repair and maintenance problems with your drain. Call Courts Plumbing of Cumberland today. 401 714 8478. He's John D. Petrol. He's really in the know with his talk
1: show on your.
0: Right, folks, it's John DiPietro. Hey, listen, enjoy this Thursday. We're back tomorrow at 11. Now, stay tuned. The John Dion program is next. Again, just to uh, reiterate also, there was some breaking news earlier, and the supposed pipe bomb that was found, the pipe bomb that was found turned out to be a hoax. So that was, um, there'll be more details, I'm sure, that on that as the afternoon goes on, but that was... Um, was uh, turned out to be nothing. Turned out to be a hoax. This Channel 12 story about Speaker Mattiello in the Convention Center. It's it's worth watching because it's going to go somewhere. I can't believe Patricia Morgan. Listen, visit the website to petro.com, D E P E T R ocom Remember, if you ever miss, if you ever miss part of the program, you just go under podcast and then you can listen to it all right there. Stay tuned. The John Dion program is next. First, the two o'clock news. We're back tomorrow at eleven, right here on AM 1380. Mm-hmm. WNRI and and W236CW1socket, 1380 AM and 95.1 FM.